from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. As investigators look into why Ukrainian Airlines Flight 752 was shot down in Iran on January 8th by Iranian missiles, one serious question rises to the top. Did the crew know that they shouldn't have been flying? Several hours before, you know, the uh, the aircraft took off, Iran launched missiles against uh, bases in Iraq. And as we looked into this incident, this is one of the most telling and disturbing developments we found. So the pilots would have been sleeping when this happens, and when they, it's very possible that they had no clue that that has happened. In other words, the crew of UIA 752 may have been completely in the dark about what was going on in the air and the danger taking off posed. We dig deeply into that issue and much, much more on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. It was 5 a.m. in Tehran at Imam Khomeini International Airport. Ukrainian International Airlines Flight 752 had been scheduled to take off at that hour. But the 1,400-mile flight to Borispil International Airport in Kiev had been delayed by about an hour until 6.12 a.m. Four hours before, perhaps unknown to passengers on the plane and maybe even the crew, Iranian missiles had rained down on two military bases in neighboring Iraq, housing U.S. military personnel and contractors. Iran was responding to the U.S. decision to kill General Qasim Soleimani. And we saved a lot of lives by terminating his life. A lot of lives have saved. They were planning something, and we had tremendous information. We've been following him for a long time, and we followed his path for those three days, and they were not good stops. We didn't like where he was stopping. They were not good stops. We saved a lot of lives, Mike. Iran had vowed to respond proportionately. This is state terrorism. This is an act of aggression against Iran. And it amounts to an armed attack against Iran. And we will respond. Foreign Minister Javad Zarif speaking to CNN. And this was the response. Missiles launched at Iraq. But at Khomeini Airport in Tehran, there was a dark circle silence that morning. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration had issued three warnings that morning about flying in and around Iraq. Some airlines had already made adjustments. Activity at Khomeini Airport 
continued, almost as normal. UIA-752 only recorded about four minutes of flight time. Most of that was spent taxiing. In other words, it only spent about two minutes in the air. The Boeing 737-800 reached only about 8,000 feet before, as we know now, it was hit by two missiles. All 176 people on board were killed. The government of Iran has announced that it's detained several people and set up a special court to look into the downing of Ukrainian International Airlines Flight 752. A central question, sure to come up during the probe, is did the air crew know it was dangerous to take off from Iran? The Iraqi military said that on that day, 22 ballistic missiles were fired from Iran between 1.45 a.m. and 2.15 a.m. local time. 17 of them hit the Al-Assad base and five at Erbil. But after a one-hour flight delay, as we've told you, UIA-752 took off from Khomeini Airport at 6.12 a.m. According to flight tracking statistics, 18 other flights took off as well after those missiles were launched? Well, yeah, good question. Captain Hal Durbin, retired commercial airline pilot who flew for 30 years. From what I've gleaned on the news and report of this uh, incident following the shoot down of that airplane, uh, I think it was scheduled for like a 5 a.m. departure. That would be bright and early. And it may have been delayed until 6 o'clock. And several hours before, you know, the... Uh, the aircraft took off. Iran launched missiles against uh, bases in Iraq. And as we looked into this incident, this is one of the most telling and disturbing developments we found. So the pilots would have been sleeping when this happens, and when they, it's very possible that they had no clue that that has happened. In other words, the crew of UIA 752 may have been completely in the dark about what was going on in the air and the danger taking off posed. On behalf of our company, I offer deep condolences to family members of the people who were on board. Ukrainian International Airlines President Yevgeny Dikne. To everybody who was close to them. It was one of our best planes with excellent, trustworthy crew. We decided to cancel all flights to Iran for an indefinite period of time. Target USA asked Ukrainian airlines if it knew whether the crew was ever briefed about the danger. The airline responded saying, whilst Ukraine International does not wish to encourage any speculations and further overstrain the media landscape, the airline does not comment on decisions and activities of the officials and authorities. For accident details, the airline cannot comment as well until the investigation is finalized and the findings are officially released. So in the absence of having anything official, we went back to Captain Hal Durbin to find out what the normal standard operating procedure should have been. So when they get to the airport, uh, starting their day, they would be checking the, uh, and they're briefing the condition of the airplane and the weather for their route of flight. And also the NOTAMs would be disseminated in, in at that time. 
you might have noticed he referred to something called a notum. That's notice to airmen, and those are typically warnings. And what we learned is that in between Iran's attack and UIA 752's taking off, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration issued three notums, warning U.S. air crews not to operate in the overwater airspace above the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. Also, in Iran and in Iraq. And they said this was due to heightened military activities and increased political tensions in the Middle East. It's important to understand these notices were transmitted internationally. In a statement, the FAA told Target USA, quote, The FAA routinely shares relevant information on potential or emerging risks with our industry and foreign partners. End quote. However, the FAA also pointed out, we have jurisdiction over U.S. aircraft carriers only. Foreign governments have no obligation to follow our notices. And again, it raises questions about what was going on with the Iranian Aviation Authority. Again, Captain Hal Durbin. I would imagine uh, with what has gone on, that, that should have uh, probably had the airspace closed. Whether or not they issued a note or not, I'm I'm not sure. But that's the type of thing that uh, you really couldn't cover up because it's you know done electronically and posted, and there'd be a time and date stamp when it did. And considering what Durbin said, Target USA went looking for any evidence that a notum was issued by Iran. We found none. We spoke with U.S. and international aviation authorities, and still found none. But continuing our conversation with Durbin, another disturbing possibility arose. It's entirely possible that in all the information they receive, they missed that. That's right. You heard correctly. He said it's entirely possible that the flight crew might have gotten the information regarding the danger in the skies, but they missed it. Sometimes these nodens can get out of hand the amount of information a pilot has to glean from his weather. Um, for example, in in New York, I w would get pages of notums that in abbreviated or truncated format that uh, some of those had been posted there for years. Mm. So uh, in some, some cases, it's hard to see the forest for the trees. According to Durbin, during flight briefings, a lot of information is flowing back and forth. While you're briefing, he could have received a contact from his dispatcher or maintenance that could have interrupted the flow of the review of this stuff. A lot of stuff to absorb in a very short period of time to get your flight going. It could have been there and missed by the pilots that would have alarmed them, or it could not have been provided, in which case I'm not exactly sure. But here is what we are sure of. 18 other flights took off from Khomeini International Airport that same morning. So were all of those crews possibly distracted? Or were all of those crews possibly in the dark as to what was going on in the skies? Were all of those crews which were most likely from different countries and some of them likely friendly countries to the U.S. and likely in possession of the information not aware that something was going on? I think uh, the fact that the airplane took off was uh, there was there had to be some disregard and recklessness on 
on certainly on the part of the air crew, part of air traffic control of Tehran, and uh, I think certainly the Iranian military. That's Douglas Wise, a retired senior official from the Central Intelligence Agency who has a mix of extensive intelligence experience, some knowledge of aviation, and deep knowledge of the part of the world that we're talking about right now. I think uh, even without uh, a notice to airmen, a notum being published, even uh, even though it's certainly not compliant outside the U.S., but I think most major airlines do pay attention to notums issued by the FAA. I think even without a notum, I, I think just due to the the heightened tension and obviously uh, already the use of uh, kinetic strikes that, uh, you know, that any prudent uh, air traffic control network and any prudent air crew would not have flown uh, on that at that time. I, I think anybody would have considered to be extremely risky and extremely dangerous. The FAA declined our request for an interview. The Ukrainian government said it's too early to talk about the situation because they have a very sensitive investigation that's underway as well. There's still a lot of questions to answer, and one of them is how do all these jurisdictions and delegations which operate in different spaces work together? There are governmental organizations, there are commercial organizations, there are military organizations. Douglas Wise, put it this way. It's an interconnected kind of situation where you have air traffic control, you have the air crew, and obviously you have the air defenders in the Iranian military. So in, in the end, you know, should the air traffic control, uh, should they have allowed the airplane to take off? Uh, I think the answer is no. Uh, in the end, the pilot, irrespective of Iranian air traffic control, had the option of not taking off. And I, I think you know, a reasonably prudent person would have uh, assessed that at that time of tension that it might have been a greater risk. So I think the the, the pilot in command should uh, not have, have taken off. And then obviously the, the signature, the data uh, available to the Iranian air defenders, it should have clearly showed them that this was not a, an aircraft uh, flying a threat profile normally considered uh, to be that of, of, a, of a military aircraft. So I think all three of those parts bear some responsibility for this tragedy. It's going to be quite a while before we find out where all of this will come to rest. But in the meantime, we've heard from Vadim Pristaiko, the foreign minister from Ukraine speaking to reporters about the approach they're taking with their investigation. We have so many different pictures and videos right now which we are considering, and not us as diplomats, but the professionals. We have to know where, who shot the, the video, who shared the video, what the position, whether there's a real position on the ground in there, what is the timeline. So all of this is now analyzed by specialists. As soon as they come to the conclusions, we'll be able to share with you. And at that same news conference, Minister Pristaiko was asked why he was hesitant to say that a missile had struck the plane, while the U.S. and Canada said they were very confident that a missile had brought down the plane. I, we have so many reasons to be uh, fair in our investigation. First of all, because we want to establish the truth. 
and truth is something which will be established right away as we speak today. Regardless of the information these nations obtained for themselves and the pieces of information they could share with us, what we really want to have is, for example, forensic on the ground. We have not even accessed the black boxes yet, which is a key point in our investigation. We have to have all the pieces, all the, all the bodies. We could not see all the, for example, the chairs, very important, all the bodies. They are not checked yet. And it's not about political, whether we lean into one position or another, whether it's West against somebody else. We want to have the key pieces as soon as we have them. We collected everything, all the, all the information which was shared with us, and we also have our own information. Don't forget that we are the only nation which is on the ground with a very powerful team right now. We later learned that a part of the reason why he was being a bit hesitant to assign blame, which essentially would fall at the feet of Iran, was because they simply did not want to alienate the Iranian government. They had their early suspicions that the plane had been brought down by a missile. Now we know that there were two missiles, but the government of Ukraine very intelligently decided not to throw it in the face of Iran at the time because they had much more information that they needed their cooperation to get. And what it all boiled down to were the legal elements. He addressed it before the news conference ended. There is the plan if you have, if you find out that this is a missile which was shot, we will shut down our, we shut down our plane. There is a whole legal procedure which will have to go through. There are different levels of this before this, this moment. That's what we are now, that's what we're now considering right, right now. And even the international coalition of those who are involved, this is already a mechanism which we can be used. We are considering the UN possibilities on its analogy to MH17, which perished here on the, on, over the Ukrainian territory, might come to the mines. 176 souls, 82 Iranians, 63 Canadians, 11 Ukrainians, four Afghans, four Britons, and three Germans, all lost. Hundreds of immediate family members, thousands of extended family members, tens of thousands of friends, all grieving the loss of loved ones. Hundreds of thousands of enraged people in six countries demanding answers. Millions of people around the world watching it all unfold, asking the question, how could this have happened? A small handful of people likely have or had the answers. We may never know exactly what the circumstances were that led to the plane taking off. But we do know information that should have kept the plane on the ground was out there. That's going to do it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up on our next episode, the deepening cyber problems the U.S. and its allies are experiencing. And so one night around midnight, middle of the night, we're sitting in this tent and I, and, I, and I had these cyber professionals from eight different countries in there. And I asked them, I said, hey, who in this room has never had the Chinese in your networks uninvited? Everybody just kind of looked around. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, who in this room has never had the Russians uninvited in your networks? No hands. I was like, that's what I thought. I said, hey, we have the same adversary. We deal with the same problem sets in this domain, yet we don't have as close a partnership as I think we could. Command Sergeant Major William Reinhardt from U.S. Army South. We deal on our next episode with the serious problem that gets worse by the day. Malicious cyber actors, their plans, and their big target, the USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, send me an email at jgreen 
at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at WhiskeyTangoOscarPapa.com. That's J Green at WTOP.com. Also, follow us on Twitter. That's at TUSA Podcast on Twitter. And subscribe to our podcast, please. And if you want more information about new national security and international security developments each week, sign up for our newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up for it at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Expeditiously with Tip, T.I. Harris is starting off a new year with two amazing episodes you won't want to miss. First, he's talking with Taraji P. Henson, star of Empire, about her career in film and television. Then, Tip sits down with Mike Tyson for a no-holds-barred interview that's both hilarious and informative. Be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get the new episodes every week. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.